Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings, citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together, we've watched a sci-fi movie. It's that simple, we talk about it. And coming up today, we are returning to a franchise that we have been dipping back in and out of over the last couple of years. And that is the Invisible Man franchise. We started with 1933's original film and we are here today to talk about the fifth movie in this franchise which is the invisible man's revenge from 1944 so we're going to get into it we'll start spoiler free we'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers and we'll we'll take it from from there what's interesting though is that well we say franchise it's, it's more like uh like a shared heritage rather than a franchise because very few of them have actually been connected to the previous films i think the second one did try to say it was like someone who knew Claude Rains' character from the first film. But ever since then, they've mostly just been, how, what can we do something different with this basic premise? And we had a visible agent, we had a visible woman, which was more of like a like a comedy, almost. Mm-hmm. And then we have this, which is maybe going for more of a sinister character, gets the power and tries to use it uh, for his own gains. Uh, which arguably is not that dissimilar from like the original, where the character's already going a little bit mad and wants to use it for himself anyway. We can get into that. Were you excited about returning to? Um, I wish I could say yes, oh. but not really. <laughs> I think these films have kind of lost their uh, excitement factor. I mean, to be fair to it, it was only Agent that was kind of disappointing. I think we both came out of Invisible Woman feeling quite good about yes. it. Yes. Quite positive. Invisible Woman was actually like a fun little find. Yeah. The Invisible Man 2, the one with Vincent Price, was kind of disappointing. Invisible Agent was like, okay, so I guess we're making the turn again. <laughs> yeah. I think Invisible Agent was interesting in that it, it felt like a failure, not because it tried something different, because it didn't feel like it took advantage of what its premise was. It felt like it, yeah. it still just became just the same old jokes, despite the fact that a we A lot could, of gags. Yeah, yeah. We could have been doing so much more with it. Invisible Man's Revenge here kind of feels like they didn't even bother doing the gags there's like one gag with darts and, and I'm not, that's about it yeah i'm not complaining that there's no gags like if you want a more serious film then that's fine but i wouldn't necessarily say the plot or the characters are that interesting either so or likable <laughs> there's like no unlikable in this <laughs> yeah well, yeah we'll get into the fact that the people he wants revenge on are actually quite villainous but the movie gives them no comeuppance no so because that really made me confused is but when we introduced this character who at the very start of the film the film makes it clear to us that this man has escaped a mental hospital and has killed three people but then it presents us with a if, if he hadn't given me that opening i would assume we'd be still rooting for this character because when we actually meet the characters that he wants revenge on they screw them over and we'll get into in spoilers how they screw them over mm-hmm. and why and they kind of further try to screw him over for their own gains and then he becomes invisible when he runs into a, a scientist who's working on invisibility technology. The father of David Carradine. Is it? Yeah, it's John Carradine. Ah! He looks like him, too. We, we, we will not make any jokes about how a Carradine later in time may have passed away. We will not do that. I'm putting my foot down saying no. <laughs> Such an honourable person. <laughs> I like to think so, Tara. I like to think so. 
ultimately you give me this character who then from that point on once he's invisible is doing villainous things but the characters he's doing them against also were pretty villainous i mean maybe not as villainous as killing people but still villainous well i mean they seem to have stolen a lot of stuff from people <laughs> yeah and including our invisible crazy guy it's so, it's so weird to me because they introduced this this rich couple that he's kind of like you know, rivaling that they're the people he wants revenge against. The interest is they have like a daughter who presumably is quite innocent, right? And like a big part mm-hmm. of the plot is that her invisible man wants to like take her as a wife, partly out of revenge. Like I, I don't even know if he really likes her or if he just wants to do it to get back at them. It's like oh, I'm going to take her as a, a wife to get back to you. Like we introduce her and her like current boyfriend, who's this reporter dude. And when they introduced them, I thought, oh, those two are going to be main characters in the movie. And I felt mm-hmm. like the movie especially her i felt like the, the daughter oh yeah she was really set up to be somebody important but then you don't see her again till the last like 15 minutes like she is just gone from the movie like she, she's mentioned but never seen for a long period and we just this. see her portrait we see her portrait we hear her mentioned because he's making demands about her but and i thought wait but she her and the reporter dude are the innocent characters who i who i, I would assume we could root for if we like were sort of like if we if we were following her story We'd be like, oh, we're sympathetic. We don't want her to be taken by the Invisible Man. We're rooting for them to stop this because she's the one we care about. But we never mm-hmm. really get to know her. Or care. She's just their daughter. Right. And I think he's been gone from their lives for like at least six years, which would mm. mean that like their daughter was a child, like when he was pining over her photograph. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, they... The okay, timing yeah. is it's for, weird. For for context, <laughs> he mentions that he had a photo of the daughter when he was left behind in Africa. That he like worshipped and they, fell in love with yeah. her because of that, yeah. And she's like what, between eighteen and twenty right now? Something Maybe. like that. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So she at best was like fourteen in this photo. Yeah. At best. If it was like photo they had right before they left. Yes. On their jungle journey. <laughs> yes. So uh, yeah, let's, let's not get into like the shadiness of him pulling out a photo of what, what may have been a twelve-year-old uh, <laughs> to keep himself company in lonely nights. But yeah, it, it does raise a lot of sketchy questions about our main this character. Guy, yeah, our main character is not a good guy. <laughs> Which would be fine if he is the clear villain, and the characters that he's going after are like, are, yeah, sympathetic because it's like. Okay, they, maybe they did kind of do something that he'd want revenge for, but if we could, un- if if we could sort of like see their side of it and say, okay, we understand the the, the way fate fell, the way the you know, the way that maybe it looks bad on them that they did this thing, but maybe they had a good reason for it or something. You know, we could be like, okay, you did something bad, you have to own up to it, but you don't deserve what he's doing. You don't deserve that he's coming after you. You don't deserve that he's coming after your daughter. But honestly, most of what we see from them is up until a certain point in the film is quite heinous. And then after that, they're just kind of sniveling cowards about what's happening to them, and they never yeah. like have a redemption. They never have anything. Are we doing like spoiler free and spoiler section for this, or yeah, we're, we're still going. No, it? we're still spoiler free. We're still spoiler okay, free. Okay. Yeah. So uh, hold your tongue. That was kind of disgusting. <laughs> Whoever that was. I just like <laughs> inhaled through my teeth. It was a little slurpy. Little... <laughs> Look, all right, I said, I said hold your tongue, not do an impression of a snake. <laughs> okay, I didn't mean to. <laughs> it's okay, we'll move on. I'm sure the audience will forgive you, it's fine. 
Uh, so yeah, in terms of other things to talk about, I mean, what are we talking about? We're we're talking about the effects of the Invisible Man, and we're talking. They still about... look pretty good. I, I mean, I still enjoyed the effects, like when they were there. If anything, yeah, they might be in some ways are the strongest they've been, which I guess just makes sense because time's moving forward, they're getting better at it. There's other times though where they did a couple of weird things with it. But later on in the film, there's a moment where he's going to put something on his face. He puts some like powder, I guess, like some flour, right? He mm-hmm. takes it out and puts it on his face. And because they're going to do that moment, for the rest of the scene up until that point, you can actually see kind of like the faint outline of his head. And I think it's because of the way they're doing the effect, they can't like hide that. It's not good enough that they can hide that until he... It's so he could like physically in the scene just do it, and then it would appear right. on his face. But because of that, there's kind of this weird, like, you know, look to like an outline of his head. But you, you can kind of see that he's got... I noticed, like, yeah. yeah. There's, there's like a weirdness to it. And, you can, and th- then he does that thing, he was, oh, that's why it was like that, because they knew it was they were going to have this, so they just kept it consistent up until that point, which I respect. I respect not having it shipped what, between. But. What I liked about that moment for the effects is that his eyes are still, like, completely hollowed out, so you can't, like, see his eyes. Mm. But then when the scene fades to black, you see his eyes. So there is, like, still an error there mm. in the effects, unfortunately, that take you kind of out of it. I mean, it's, it's doing well enough. There, at one point, someone does fight with him while he's invisible, and there is a little bit of that. This actor's just throwing himself around the room, and yeah, they <laughs> needed a little more choreography. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which you know, you, we you, get animals in this though that are invisible, which is kind of fun. We get an invisible dog, uh, which is basically just that old joke of someone holding a leash that's been designed to like yeah. know, be stiff, so it looks like it's been it's held the up. The most well-behaved dog ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you should be shaking that a little bit more or something to give, give it a bit more of a, a push and pull. I do like the, the character of the scientist in this. He kind of reminds me of like modern day B horror movie um, scientist. He's kind of, he's kind of a weird inclusion because this movie has nothing to do with an invisible man or like mad science until the main character just happens to stumble into the scientist like half an hour. Because it's, for a movie that's like 75 minutes, it's a good half hour before we get to the scientist. So there's no like <laughs> invisible man stuff for a while when we finally get to him and he opens the door and he's got like the white like sort of scientist coat on he's got like the little thin glasses on mm-hmm. and i'm like you're just like mad scientist 101 yeah that's all you are and it's like okay <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a bit hokey because of that but at the same time it's kind of endearing it, yeah it adds something to the to the film i do think a lot of the extras in the movie or i shouldn't say extra extras with lines supporting characters are are very over the top Sure. I mean, they have to say that they're in London, so like the British accents are extreme in this for those characters. They're honestly though, the best character. Might be, there's a common relief character who's Cockney, who's like this little mm-hmm. scoundrel who, who who keeps trying to like basically weasel out of things and try and get them to give him money. I thought yeah, he was he was all right. He was male entertaining. I thought I, I thought he had this thing where he he always tries to present himself like he's he had the best interests at heart of whoever he was conning before. But it, yeah, I'm talking about like the bartender or like the mm. the cop on the other end of the phone who's like hello, hello. <laughs> like straight out of Mary Poppins British. <laughs> I, I feel like that's what you get though, and like uh, I mean, I presume they finished they, they filmed this in in England, but I presume that any Hollywood funded movie that has British characters in it from this time period, that's what you're probably mm. going to get. You're going to get thick. Accents. There's some, some great faces in this, like great old timey faces that you, they look like they're Norman Rockwell paintings. They're so like exaggerated features and stuff. And there's a lot I mean, of, they're fun to watch. A lot of mustaches as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of mustaches. 
to, to the point where I almost mistook the villain or our main character for like the reporter character because they both have the same thin little mustache and I'm like yeah. seriously like have some variation on this like the, the guys yeah. all look the same <laughs> the, the little pencil mustache yeah like, across the top lip yeah that's, that's which just... I'm surprised he was able to keep while he was invisible well his hair goes invisible I know but like I imagine that takes some maintenance True. Well, I mean, how long is he invisible for? It's only a few days at most, right? I don't. I, I get what you're I saying. Mean, it's the... called five o'clock shadow for a reason. I mean, yeah, there should be some stubble by the time he becomes visible <laughs> again. I, I agree. Like, you're you're right, but you know, it's it's not like there should be a full beard. It's not like he's spent months. That would be hilarious, though. <laughs> <laughs> if he is no longer invisible and he's just got a, a full beard and like the crazy long hair how long was i out i think i mean if you're someone who doesn't like having a beard and you shave i feel like you would just shave the whole thing because you, you still do that when you're invisible you wouldn't have to see it to do that really you just feel it i wonder why the hair goes invisible why that's a rule because it'd be too hard to deal with the fact that there's a floating wig yeah <laughs> constantly it would also stop the invisibility from being useful if you could see like the hair floating around or you just shave true true that may have been a funny moment in the invisible woman when she refuses and she's like no i'm not shaving my head are you, are you mad <laughs> just a floating hat everywhere <laughs> i'll put on a bald cap <laughs> so it's just a floating bald cap <laughs> The fact that the hair doesn't go in, or does it, or does go invisible is really just down to because it'd be a pain to deal with if it didn't from right. a filmmaking perspective. So I'm sure someone somewhere's head canon this and made it work in science, but let's let's be honest, it's just justifying something that makes it more difficult. So yeah, but ideally, if you're a mad scientist, you would want someone who maybe had alopecia or something mm. <laughs> to be your experiment. Is there anything else to talk about? Spoiler free. Uh, other than because they said that ultimately it's not that fun not really the I mean there's some fun moments in it but it's it's yeah. overall like there's no one really to root for and it, it's kind of it takes a long time to get going it's not like a very long film, but the opening part kind of feels long. And you don't even have the invisible gags to fall back on. Although, admittedly, we complained in the last one that they were getting a bit old hat. So, I'm not well, saying the problem with the last one is that they, like, the guy was an, an agent. He was supposed to be invisible and unseen, but he kept doing all these things to be noticed, to be seen. Well, no, that's that's very true. But I, I think even outside of that, though, there was kind of like a a fatigue setting in of like these invisible gags are starting to feel a bit samey, samey, and. So I don't want it to rely on that, but it's not. But I guess what I'm saying is here is, is they didn't even put them in to like make it work. Which I was still critiquing, saying maybe this is getting a bit old hat now, and uh, it's just I don't care. But it would be something. Whereas I feel like the movie mm -hmm. instead doesn't give me anything to really care about, which is a shame. So uh, this might be the weakest one of the whole bunch so far. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say it's like unwatchable or anything though. No, like it's still, I still like if you're interested in the franchise, don't skip it. Yeah, it's not painful to watch. I mean, it is only seventy something minutes, so it's not like it's yeah torture to get through or anything. But it, it's probably the weakest one. I mean, I maybe I'd have to watch the agent again to like decide because it, because that was definitely the weakest one before this. So it's really mm -hmm. just maybe I t toss a coin for which one. 
Uh, Agent, at least in theory, was trying for something new and interesting, but just avoided doing anything with it. <laughs> so maybe that's yeah. more egregious just than this. One more pass with the script, maybe. Mm. <laughs> but like, why is our agent trying to be discovered as invisible? <laughs> it's interesting that they made him crazy to begin with for this instead of the invisibility serum making him crazy because he can you know do whatever he wants that's not even a th- like because that's not been a thing since the second movie though because i don't think invisible women had that either no so i think that's just something that we, we can't assume that's a rule anymore so or it just doesn't affect women because <laughs> they're already crazy no because <laughs> because we don't have desire to peek on to, to to peep on men, naked men. <laughs> You're saying that's it? That's the only reason why men it, go yeah. crazy if they go invisible? Yes. Because you know that's the first thing they do. <laughs> it's a voyeurism. Not if they're decent human beings, they don't. Yeah. Well, that's the point of the serum. It turns you into someone who's not decent. But I'm saying I would like to think I am good enough person that if I did go invisible, I would you know I'm not going to invade someone's privacy. That's very good of you, but okay. you don't know for sure. <laughs> I, I think I think I would feel skeevy doing that. What would I do with invisibility? I don't know. When someone says, "What well, do you want, invisibility or flying?" I always pick flying. I can get around yeah, easier. Yeah, flying's way better. Yeah, flying's way better. Um, I'd have to feel guilty about flying <laughs> either. <laughs> Whereas I feel like anything I could do with invisibility, there's almost always someone I'm either creeping on or or I'm stealing from people. The whole point people. of being invisible is that you are, like, because you don't care if animals don't see you. Like, you care if people can't see you. Yes. So, yes, you're always going to be invading someone's privacy. Exactly. So, so wanting invisibility is basically saying I'm a creep and I want to get away with being a creep. Yes. <laughs> okay. So. Or Robin. Robin Banks. Or Robin, yes. Say thieving. He said, or Robin, and I'm like, what's, what's Robin got to do with this? Oh, because uh, comic books? Oh, yeah. Well, you say because of comic books. It's like non-comic readers don't understand who Robin is in, in the context of Batman and Robin. Such an well, obscure I think, character. I, I hear the name Robin. I think of Robin Quivers from Howard Stern. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like I, I, I casually mentioned Firestorm, the nuclear man, and expected people to know what I meant. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I only know of Nuclear Man from Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Different character, no. <laughs> Nuclear. Fi- Firestorm is two people fused together. when They, they come together to form hot. Firestorm. Sounds hot. <laughs> I love how you said that, like, two minutes after saying, women don't have any uh, <laughs> desire to peep on men. Spoilers from this point on for Invisible Man's Revenge. So, yeah, film starts with a package labelled London, <laughs> which our, our villain breaks out of and goes and gets himself some new clothes at a tailor's. Which, and what I thought was weird about this, the scene ends with like him leaving and like he, he leaves his old clothes with the, the tailor because he doesn't want them anymore. And the tailor immediately pulls out a news clipping of like, like saying oh this murderer escaped from a, a mental asylum and here's the you know, he murdered two orderlies and a nurse and i'm like okay i have several questions one why did this man have this on him he is the he is the person who committed this crime why did he take out a clipping of this himself 
because it feels like he's, he's he's escaped and this is where he arrived after like one trip so when did he have time to get yeah. a newspaper and like cut this out and who packed him in this box for London that he had to cut his cut his way out of and I, I know some serial killers keep paper clippings and stuff as like a trophy like, I, 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 but they never present him as that type of killer he's not like a serial killer who's like getting off on it like for the rest of the film, whenever he references these killings, it's always like, oh, he had to kill people to escape. It wasn't that he yeah. was a killer beforehand or anything like that. Yeah, like if he was, you know, when he meets up with the couple, he's like, you don't know what I had what I had to go through to get here, what I had to do to get here. Like, that could be like just an ominous little thing overhead where we can be like, I wonder if he had to kill or if he, like, is a bad person. So not only that, this guy who finds this clipping and sees that this guy that just left was a murderer... He didn't, you know, call this in, tell nope. anyone, tell the police or anything. He just nope. that he's just happy to go on with his life. Especially, yeah, you think that would be the end of it? Like, oh well, I know where this guy is and what he's wearing. Here you go. Uh, Here you go, police officer, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> he also gets he gets threatened by him as well. Like halfway through the conversation. Because he, he, he correctly predicts what boat he came in on because that was just the boat that arrived. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, did you come in on the whatever? And he gets like, wait, how do you know that? Have you been following me? And he just grabs him and like gets really threatening. I mean, this guy's so small and elderly, he like grabs him by the collar and starts yelling at him. And then he finds out he's a murderer. Like you would think he would... Like that's all the ammunition you need. You need to know that this guy's super dangerous. <laughs> Never brought up again. <laughs> what, well, that was a different time. <laughs> well, then introduced to Jasper and his wife Irene in their relatively big, I don't know if you quite call it a mansion. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of mansion-esque. They have a great room with a great big fireplace. Yeah, it's just, they got a butler. I mean, that's like, I suppose all you need to know. There is a smart thing in the script here to just get, and this is again, making us not like them, is that in a minute when Griffin's the main character's name, when Griffin shows up, right, to try and ask for the money that was is owed to him, they have a conversation here where they talk about how well they're doing because uh, the, because they're meeting with Julia's was that her name? No, Julie. Right. So the daughter Julie. Her, yeah, her prospective yeah. fiance. So she she's introducing her fiance to her parents, right? And he's this young reporter, and they are they're, they're chatting and they're being casual, and then the young couple leave, and we get this this little conversation with Jasper and Irene. The dad, you know, Jasper, he's a little bit, well, he seems all right, but, you know, there's not a lot of money from that family. And Irene goes, ah, it's not like our grandkids are going to starve, implying that they're well off and that their side yeah. of the family will more than, like, take care of any needs that their family does. Right. So when in walks Griffin, and at first he's like, oh, I don't remember what happened. I had amnesia, you know, when I got left behind. What happened that day in Africa? It turns out them together as a group were looking for diamonds in Africa he got hit in the head with a tree or something which gave him amnesia and he's been locked up somewhere since and then he got here they say to him oh i'm sorry all the money from the diamonds is gone and immediately as the audience we're like i think you're bullshitting because you were just bragging to each other about how well off you are (laughs) yeah uh so so this is the first moment where you're like well, who am I rooting for in this conversation then? Because I know he's actually killing people, <laughs> but now I don't trust you yeah, two we either. We already know at this point that he's a murderer. Yeah. So, so which is why I thought, oh, at this point we're going to shift. You know, after this scene, we're going to shift the Julie and the the, the boyfriend, and they're going to be our main character, and it never does. 
no. not really i mean i mean the, the boyfriend comes in yeah to play later on but I mean, and he is probably the most like good person but we never follow him on his own really he's always there because one of the other characters that we do follow is in the scene with him like he's never a right. main character in that sense it is very weird i I was thinking this was going to be some uh like count of monte cristo invisible man revenge film where you know the people have done him wrong and they've become super wealthy and now it's invisible man's turn to get his uh what they owe him <laughs> from them but um it's not really i don't know it was kind of setting it up to to sound something similar and then he would go off instead of being trained in like the aristocratic ways and <laughs> becoming uh uh, an expert swordsman instead he just meets this man who makes him invisible <laughs> and gives him superpower that way well as the scene goes on he gets more accusatory because at first they're like they're acting like they're old friends and they're happy to see him and he's happy to see them but it kind of you know the, the truth starts to come out a little bit and he says he wants his half like he has the agreement in his pocket he still has that with him and i'm like okay that's okay you still had that on you the whole time i i, I guess you I want i want half of these stolen diamonds or i'm going to court <laughs> Uh, i don't know if they were stolen but it sounds like they took him from some indigenous yeah. village <laughs> it sounds like legally he has a claim in the context of the movie because the, the the english court would not see what they're doing as stealing from someone else because it's yeah another country because they're not white <laughs> right. i was dancing around to be yes this this is getting to it yes there's a there's a, a racist overtone to to that element of it he starts asking for half the money and they claim they don't have it all the money from the diamonds is gone but they do have the house because it was given to them. Again, we know that they're better off than they're saying because they were bragging about it five minutes ago, if that. And then he, and they say, what, what if we give you half the estate, though? Like, we put half of it in your name, and like it means that you, you're entitled to like this to half of what this place makes, or when we're gone, you'll get it, or whatever. He counter-offers them with, well, maybe a bride would be good. Maybe, and he starts looking at the, the daughter's photo. Where, where's young Jilly? I always did have a have a hankering for her. You were wondering where that photo went. <laughs> <laughs> I guess either they lost it, lost the photo, and he grabbed it, or found it like after he, you know, got knocked out by the tree, and they all thought he was dead. I'll be honest, I wasn't sure if he ever really had amnesia. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Was that just a story that he's telling them? I don't, I don't know. It's it really seems like he doesn't know what happened. Because that, because or if it, he could be, he could be hiding that he was in a, a, an asylum. Yeah, he could just be hiding that part. Yeah, um, that's the yada 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 he skips over. Because, <laughs> well, because here's here's the question. So if he did get amnesia, right? Let's say he actually had amnesia, but he had this photo of their daughter on him, right? When he got amnesia. So for these past few years, where he's he's living in a hospital and he's got this photo, he mm -hmm. pulls out this photo and he doesn't know who this is. Then he doesn't know it's his friend's daughter. Or his you know, colleague's well, daughter. Maybe it's selective amnesia. Does does he think this is his daughter? Does he think it's his wife? Does he think it's like what does he think? <laughs> I don't know. This movie doesn't make much sense. <laughs> it's it's it, it skirts over some things and it, it does raise some questions when you stop and think about it for more than five seconds. Yeah. So odd. But yes. So just to establish the fact that this couple are villains. <laughs> <laughs> the wife then drugs his drink and he starts feeling woozy and it's clear that the husband didn't know this because what I thought it was going to do here is that the, the, the wife is the evil one 
and I thought she that, really comes off that way. Yeah. Yeah, she looks really sinister, and I thought maybe it was going to like maybe reveal later that she intentionally like injured him or tried to kill him in the you know in Africa back in the day. Yeah, I was getting that vibe also. Yeah. Um, and because because here the, the husband's like, oh my god, what have you done? And like, I gave him something. We can't have him going around telling people these things or you know ruining her reputation. So they basically just decide to like send him out while he's drunk. And I got a little confused here because. He ends up falling in the water. There's a lake near the house, right? And that's where the Cockney guy runs into him. And the Cockney guy and Griffin seem to think that they tried to kill him by putting him in the lake. But he never actually leaves the house with them. Like, Jasper no, just, just... They just push him out of the door. Yeah, he walks him to the door. And it does feel like they're planning something because it's like he's making sure the butler sees him, like, walk out. Yeah. So they're making sure the butler doesn't think that uh, they've, they've murdered him in any way. Which implies that they are hoping he's going to die when he leaves. But they don't actually go with them or put them in the water themselves. Nope. So it's treated like an attempted murder. But in reality, I wouldn't really call it. I, I would say, I mean, I'd say it's cruel. I'd say, like, okay, they've drugged them and just sent them outside. But I wouldn't necessarily say yeah. it's like try to drown them either. Like they, no, they play he, off he, as. he walks quite a ways before he falls into yeah. the water. And then even the Cockney guy who goes to rescue him is just like, take my hand but he still has to like swim to the bank in order to get him like he does he really does nothing like grabbing his hand versus grabbing just the land would have been the same thing <laughs> yeah so the, the whole thing's a bit murky to me um especially since as the film goes on it doesn't feel like they were hoping he was going to die it doesn't feel like oh we had this sinister plan for him to kill himself or get killed sort of seemingly by accident it was mm -hmm. it was more it was just arrest him if he shows up in our property again. Yeah, we'll make it look like he's just like this awful drunk or something, and therefore we can. But like their daughter doesn't live there, so like she could still be, or maybe she does live with them. I think she does. She was just out for the night with the boyfriend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess I mean, it still seems like she's not very protected if they don't, like, get him arrested or something first. Yeah, yeah, maybe they'll just try to discredit him by making him look really bad, like he's just this drunk guy who shows up. Anyway, they still has uh, the proof that he has that they made this agreement. I know, and they're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna hold on to this and protect it so no one gets it." But they're saying this right in front of a fireplace, and it's a piece of paper. Like, just burn it. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's your out right there behind you. We cut to Griffin waking up, and this Cockney guy is taking him in and sort of letting him get warm and whatever. He's, he's explained all this backstory to the Cockney guy off camera. And he's like, so really, oh, maybe you're onto something. Maybe maybe we can make some money off of them. I'll help you. I've got, I know a lawyer. And he's like, he's trying to like worm his way into this scheme mm -hmm. so he can get something out of it. And he's like, I've got proof. And he goes to check his pocket and he's like shocked. Oh my God, they've taken my proof. <laughs> it's true. That was a funny moment. <laughs> I'm I'm shocked. How I'm, could this happen? Yes, I'm shocked that they. <laughs> it was they... such an airtight plan. I would just show them the paper, and they would give me the diamonds. <laughs> yeah, why would you? Even if you said you have the paper, why would you admit this on your persons? Why would you like take it out of your pocket and go here? I've got it right here. This is it. It was a different time back then. People didn't know. <laughs> they were stupid. Is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we get so again. We're not even close to the Visible Man stuff yet because we get a scene where this cockney guy what's his name just so i'm not calling him that the whole time higgins it's herbert higgins he's got alliteration in his name higgins with his little lawyer friend uh go to like, jasper's house and they're explaining to him that they're like on behalf of griffin they're going to seek half of what he's owed 
And we also won one million pounds in damage. And one million pounds in 1944 was probably quite a hefty. I mean, I mean, a million is still a lot today, but in 1944 money, that's hefty. Oh yeah. It's probably more like 10 million in, in today's money. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure he bought a Burberry coat in the beginning for like two pounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he and he's really cocky about it, and he's he's and, and I think this is why this character was kind of funny at times is because he mm-hmm. he does kind of weasel and like go back in his word immediately like every chance he gets the inspector is like just round to visit or something and he comes in and like jasper just says oh they're trying to blackmail me they said they've got this this and this and and then eventually jasper reveals that the proof's gone and that he doesn't have the agreement anymore and the lawyer just stands up and says oh well uh nothing can happen here then <laughs> bye bye good luck let me know what happens <laughs> and that's just basically it and if i if anything the inspector just says to him like hey you tell that griffin fellow that i don't want him in my jurisdiction tell him to leave like now mm-hmm. so it's when it's when he's just on his travels leaving the city that he happens to like in the snow or whatever it is maybe it's just raining i can't remember but the weather's bad and he comes up to this door would you believe it it's a mad scientist who when he explains that he's kind of like you know he doesn't want to be seen he's, he's like, on the run yeah he's like yeah oh you're a fugitive then oh you might be desperate I, wouldn't you like to come in yeah i like the way his face changes to yeah. like the sudden excitement i'm like ooh, now i'm into this yeah you're desperate and you might let me get away with some things because you're on right, the run yeah. <laughs> how do you feel about becoming a human centipede <laughs> yeah it's like oh he sees like a guinea pig walking he's, he's like yeah but of course making him invisible may just make him more dangerous which that, that was the other thing. I almost got a little excited at the start of the movie. In the very first couple of scenes, when it established that he had murdered people, I thought, oh, we're going to take a psychopath and turn him invisible. Like, that could be... I mean, that's basically what some of the newer things have done, where we actually threaten, like, an invisible killer on the loose. Mm-hmm. But instead, the movie never becomes that, because he's not interested in killing anyone again. He's he's only interested in getting his revenge and like, extorting money out of Jasper and his wife. And I mean, it's in the title of the film. Uh, yeah. He still may want to kill people for revenge, though. Yeah, that would have been awesome <laughs> to get a movie from the 50s about an invisible serial killer. Yeah. Well, 40s, but yeah. <laughs> 40s, excuse me. Yeah, you're right. So, but eventually the invisible dog shows up. And of course, this like freaks out Griffith. He's like, <laughs> what's going on here? He's like, oh, I've been working on invisibility. And would you care to be the first human experiment? <laughs> the first human trial of invisibility? Well, he's got a perfectly functioning dog there, mm-hmm. German Shepherd. Uh, the guy seems to be healthy, better than healthy. The visibility serum also makes him, you know, I guess stronger or something. He agrees to go through with this. He becomes invisible. And they don't really talk about, like, is this permanent? Will you come back? I thought he does ask, actually. I thought he said, um, how long will this last? And he, the scientist says, until you die, till your grave or something. Oh, I suppose, yeah. Oh, you're right. I mean, unless you count the dodgy uh, special effects scenes well, no, <laughs> as him fading back in. Well, no, I'm, I'm getting confused here because later on in the film, he does start to fade back to being normal again. Well, th- what happens is he gets um, the blood, but I don't think it's enough of a transfusion. So he starts to become invisible again. Like uh, That's what I was mixing up because he, it does become this thing where it does wear off after some time. Yeah, the invisibility comes back after he thinks he's fixed everything. Yes, it's, yeah, it's the other yeah. way around. Yes, he's like, he's normal, and then he starts to be invisible again. Yeah, okay. I got myself confused. I, I got I got my I got my 
but she's mixed. It's not that confusing a movie. I just, <laughs> I just mixed a <laughs> couple really. things up. Anyway, anyway, so he becomes invisible, and he immediately goes to Jasper and like torments him in his bedroom, and says, "Hey, you're going to give me half of your money. You're going to give me the deed to the estate, and also your daughter. Like I'm taking it all because I'm invisible and I can kill you at any time." And he's holding like a knife up at him. Jasper's freaking out a little bit. But when he writes this like note out explaining that he's giving all this stuff over to him, Griffin starts reading it in the chair, and because he's like reading it, he knows where he's looking. So Jasper gets up and tries to hit him with a chair, and it's like it just at the last minute, Griffin like realizes and stands up, and says, yeah. "Ah, no, 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 none of that now." Um, <laughs> the wife Irene comes in, like says, "What's going on? What's with the noise?" And he's like, "It's invisible. He's here. He's invisible. Griffin's here." darling you're 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 overreacting don't worry it's okay you're just feeling a little bit tired you're see you're hearing things it's okay then she notices the paper he's holding and it's like the transfer of like you know goods over to the over to griffin she's reading it and going honey you can't be writing things like this like what she just starts to rip it up and she's like you can't be writing things like that honestly i thought there were and again i kept like thinking of things they could do to have fun with this movie and what mm. i thought maybe was going to happen here is that Griffin was intentionally going to just be quiet every time she was around and just keep tormenting Jasper. Yeah, so that he comes off as crazy. Yeah, but... And it does that for like a minute, but it's the same scene where he eventually just starts making sounds I again. Mean, if he really wanted to have revenge, he could just, like, torment them to... By, like... I mean, I guess that kind of happens in the, in another version of this film, but... but like, like a he, ghost, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you you could just be like a ghost to them, uh, yeah. or at least him, and make him look crazy to his wife, and like maybe ruin his marriage because eventually she'll be like, you know what, I've had enough of this. Yeah, or like send him to an insane asylum. Yeah, yeah. He says that he wants his daughter, and Jasper basically says no, but he'll go along with it if he becomes visible again. He doesn't want his daughter to be with an invisible man. That's weird. <laughs> How noble. And he's like, all right then, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> he agrees to it before before that happens though there's a scene in a bar there's like an extended scene in a pub we get our one big jokey scene because basically he's still working with uh the cockney guy uh higgins higgins is like basically talking a big game to the guys playing pool and playing darts in the in the pub eventually griffin starts like saying things but it is but they think it's him saying it because they can't see griffin obviously so like, he says something like, oh, you're an ass to, like, someone. And they turn around and go, what did you say to me, Higgins? And he's like, oh, no, nothing, sir. Nothing. Don't hit me. And, like, he's not sticking up for himself. But eventually he challenges him to a game of darts. And I did kind of like this because, like, it wasn't just, like, done automatically either. Like, like Griffin comes over to, to Higgins and says, look... You have to do it slow enough so that I can take the dart over, right? We have to, and I can. I have enough time to yeah. run back. <laughs> yeah. So don't, don't don't do it too quickly. So I kind of like them acknowledging like the ways that this doesn't work, but mm-hmm. so let's try and work together to make this. Yeah, I I enjoyed the scene actually. Yeah, I I thought that was fun. What I didn't think made sense about the scene because the the reporter boyfriends here as well having a drink, and we hear other people talking. There's actually rumors of an invisible man going around. People have seen like someone, like a shirt walking around or something. Yeah. So there's actually rumors of spread. And what I didn't like about that is that you have all these characters openly talking that there's rumors of someone who's invisible. And you have these physically impossible yeah. <laughs> dart throws. <laughs> at, at no point in the scene does anyone suggest, hey, maybe that rumor's got something to do with this. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Like, even if they don't believe it, it's just weird that no one even floats the idea that this. Weird... I mean, there there is a point where the one of the darts does like a curve. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's like uh, that movie Wanted with Angelina Jolie and James McAvoy curving bullets. Like it curves the dart, <laughs> and the dart yes. goes whoosh. It's going so <laughs> slow because it's someone just holding it. That at least uh-huh. I, I appreciated that though. I appreciated they didn't speed it up, and it's like, wait, how could he be moving that quick? They actually it went in the genuine speed that someone could do it. Like someone yeah. could just be like guiding that across with their hand, right? Which yeah. I appreciate. I, I like that. I like that too. Uh, but yeah, it's th- still kind of fast if you you know are running with it. Yeah, but <laughs> the problem is though, if he runs, they'll hear his footsteps. Right, it'd be right, too loud. He, yeah. Well, he's already nude. Yeah, he's what, not wearing any clothes. Which they never bring up in this movie. All the other movies like address and the it idea. It looks like it's cold there. Like everyone's wearing double jackets. Yeah. Double peacoats. But they never address <laughs> the fact that he's naked in any of these scenes. Whereas that was a big deal, you know, like taking off the clothes in the previous movies yeah. or it complaining it was cold or whatever. There was a lot of comedy invisible women about that. Yeah. Um here here just never addressed. Which which is I mean we don't have to go into it too much, but you know, you'd think it would come up in some way, like, oh, he can't be outside for too long because it's too cold or something. Yeah. It's a mostly fun scene, though. Uh, he even punches one of the other guys at the, the pub uh, at one point. And, <laughs> Another great face, yes. I thought. And the rest, of the, the rest of the people at the pub all back away thinking, oh, Higgins is like a hard man now, even though he <laughs> clearly didn't throw a punch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but it's a good comedy bit. Yeah. It's the only time of the movie like it was having fun with what it was doing. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a reason for it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm lifting the teacup on my own for no reason. But don't look at me because I don't yeah. want you to know I'm invisible. I, I think <laughs> what maybe would have made this work as for more of the movie, even though we've seen like gags before with the invisible stuff, is the idea that he's working with someone who isn't invisible to make it look like they're doing something. I think that yeah. would that would feel new for the franchise. Is is the idea that he's got like a a, a partner who isn't invisible that they're kind of like making it look like he's up doing like impressive or insane stuff right you know like he's making something float like yeah what, what if he had, magicians yeah what if they team up with a with a magician and like no i'll actually <laughs> i'll actually pick things up and they'll be floating that'd be yeah. great let's make it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so he goes back to the the doctor uh and says i need to be human again although he notably watches from the window as he makes the dog uh visible again and mm-hmm. so when he comes in and says, hey, I need to be visible again, and the doctor's like, oh, it's impossible. He's like, I just saw you do it to the dog. What are you talking about? Is like, well, I had to use all of the blood from another dog to do it, so we'd have to kill someone to like, make you visible. Right. And I'm not going to do that, because like, I'm a mad scientist, but I'm not a but killer. But I ain't no murderer. <laughs> Apparently, all it takes is a transfusion, because he does it himself, because he kills the scientist and does it himself. Yeah. Which makes him visible again. Which I didn't think would be something that someone can do to themselves, give a blood transfusion. I wouldn't know how to give myself a transfusion if, if someone no. asked me to. No, but, but I appreciate in the when it comes up again that we get to see the process at least. And he changes his name because we, we cut to like a head in time. He's living at the house with like Jasper and his wife. Although, what's weird is that from this point on, you never see the wife again. We, there's like one conversation where the daughter mentions she's sick and delirious because she saw like some invisible man antics, but mm-hmm. that's it. We never see her again. Cutscene, I guess. <laughs> I don't get yeah. it though. Why why is she not there at the end when they're all like discovering and resolving everything? It's weird. I don't know. She seemed equally as villainous. She was in Africa with them. But he's living there under a different name. 
he's not like taking the like the Jasper's not somehow gotten rid of the boyfriend yet to like give his daughter to him. That's still in the process apparently, because the boyfriend's still there for breakfast. Like, and they're all hanging yeah. out together. He's normal now, except he starts to turn invisible again during like breakfast, and he has to rush off and make an excuse. But there is a there's a decent conversation beforehand actually where uh, the reporters like sort of sniffing around even though he's technically he's being on... very passive aggressive yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know he's technically on vacation but he started like writing about this like, invisible man story because after he killed the scientist he burned his place down and the scientist or sorry the reporter thinks that he, like this invisible man may be a vampire and he goes but why did you think that and then his reason is not actually that bad he's like well because the the scientist who was murdered was drained of his blood and i'm like ah that would actually mm. look a bit fishy yeah, that? that would look a bit fishy. Uh, and they sort of like, it's like, oh, what if he needs it to uh, for something? Or they, and they start, they start like having this like weird quid pro quo. It, it's a yeah, it's a dick measuring contest between because you know they both want the girl. Yeah. So he's like, well, what if I know more about the Invisible Man than you do, Mister Reporter, doing a story on it? And it it, it does kind of give him away though. <laughs> yeah, it's one of these scenes where like, I feel like anyone like the reporter should know he's the he's the Invisible Man. By the time mm-hmm. this scene's over, he really should, <laughs> with how like right. blatant he's being with what he's saying. He does call him out on it. He's like, "Sounds like you should be writing this story." Like it is very passive aggressive the way he says it. Well, he's trying to steal his wife, so I mean, or his wife to be. Right. But I mean, basically, we're almost at the end of the movie at this point. Uh, Griffin, who's starting to become invisible again, he realizes he needs more blood. Basically, the transfusion is not permanent. It was permanent for the dog because the dog's still visible. Uh, and, and the, dog, the hero uh, and survived the dog did survive he's going to come back don't worry does not like the invisible man but uh, well that's the yeah that's what happens here actually before we get to like this, the, the breakfast scene there's a scene where the dog still try to chase him down because he knows who he is the cockney guy Griffin is like I know what you did I want paid off I, w- I want you know I want you to pay me off forever Higgins. what did I say Griffin. Oh, sorry, which yes, is Higgins. Our invisible yes. man. Yeah. So Higgins wants paid off. He just wants to stick around. I was like, oh no! Now that you're rich and living here, like I want you to like keep me around and like I, I want I want to benefit from this. Even though when they like bef- seen before this, when they're talking to like, the police and they're saying, oh yeah, this guy Griffin, because this is why he's changed his name, is they know that Griffin is the invisible man. He's like, oh yeah, that Griffin guy is crazy. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, you know, he, he forced me to help him. Like you know, he, he, he turns his back on him immediately as soon as he's questioned mm-hmm. by the authorities. But here, he's like, oh, now that you're rich and living under this other name, like, I want you to keep giving me money. Like, I want to benefit from the fact that you pulled this off. Griffin's, like, basically ready to kill him. But then when the dog starts barking, he's like, oh, actually, you know what? I'll pay I'll pay you. I'll pay you £500 to, like, make you shut up and go away on the condition that you also kill that dog. And then he's like, oh, 500 for a big job like that? Like, oh, okay, 1000 I'll give you £1,000 if you kill that dog and then go away. <laughs> Which he agrees to. So there's some scenes later on of like uh, Higgins like chasing the dog around before the mm-hmm. dog comes in to save the day. The dog keeps trying to tell people that the hey the guy you're looking for is here. He keeps howling outside the door. Anyway, so he's become invisible. He try he, at the end of the movie he lures the reporter boyfriend down into the basement where he go, he's going to try and like knock him out and he starts transferring blood. It just so happens that at this point the dog runs in and starts barking and going down into where the basement is clawing at the door and the police inspectors here at this point jasper's there they're all there they're like oh he must be behind that door let's break it down and go in and see what happens the dog goes straight for the throat 
the dog basically kills Griffin, yeah, yeah, by pushing him into some like shelves or whatever. Yeah, the only thing we glossed over there is that when he does go, when the reporter does go down, when he's lured uh, by Griffin, who's now completely invisible, Griffin does like fight with them, and that's the scene where he's like, f- you know, flapping around and getting into the wall and getting flipped mm-hmm. onto a table or whatever, and it looks right. it looks a little silly at times. It does. It looks a very like Shatner moment of <laughs> acting. Shattening. So yeah, the movie just kind of ends with uh, the, the the one. He's he's gone, and this evil couple who really they did wrong by They have their blood him, diamond money. And... Yeah, <laughs> they get to live on with no repercussions for anything they did. Uh huh. At, at least Julie gets to marry the nice guy now. Yeah, that's 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 your happy ending. It's just that the movie doesn't focus on them, so we don't really necessarily care that much about them either. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm glad the reporter lived because, uh, you know, he had partial blood blood loss, mm-hmm. um, but not entirely. And I guess Higgins is going to pretend that he was never working for him at all, mm-hmm. even though he tried to kill a dog and help with a lot of shenanigans. I mean, to, <laughs> and to, to be fair to Higgins, I don't think Higgins ever knew that he was, like, murdering people the way he was. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, he, he never knew he'd crossed that line, uh, at least until he maybe threatened him at one point when he says, oh, I've killed people, you might be next. And at that point, he's sure. scared and he's sniveling and he's just wanting to protect himself. But Yeah, he's already in too deep. I, I, I just wish I cared about some of these characters. I wish there was more suspense or thrills. Or if you want to do just more light-hearted comedy like Invisible Woman did, then that's cool too. You can do yeah, that. just go for it. But he doesn't do either of those things. No, not really. Middle of the road, as far as these Invisible Man films go. It wasn't, like, terrible, but, like, a lot of missed opportunity, which we've had previously. But at least it didn't go out of the way to make really, really dumb decisions. So, yeah, there's technically one more in this original franchise uh, from Universal, which is Abbott and Costello, Meet the Invisible Man. I don't know if that's one we'll do. We really I don't ha- know either. Yeah, it, I'm not sure what a review of that would be like, to be honest. It, given how we talk about movies, it, it may not fit. But the plan was always to just sort of keep going into other Invisible Man movies and do maybe not in so order. So the Chevy Chase one. Yeah, the, the Chevy Chase one that's directed by John Carpenter. Uh, Hollow Man is on the on the table. Uh, Tara's insistent that we do a movie that me and Tim did on a bonus episode of Streams Once Upon a Time, which is the Invisible <laughs> Maniac, which to be honest feels like it does fit into the overall theme. I know that Japan had two or three Invisible Man movies that it made in the fifties. Mm-hmm. So maybe worth checking out them. We might find some, you know, some gems or maybe maybe not. Maybe we'll find some trash, but... <laughs> uh, maybe we'll at least check one of them out. Yeah. Uh, I, I know Arrow put out Blu-rays of them, so they are oh, okay. available in some form, you know, in decent yeah, format. We'll just do them then. Why yeah. not? We do one of these every five months, so... Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, and maybe eventually we would do the uh, 2020 movie. Uh-huh. That'd be good. And I'm sure there's some other like spin-offs or other maybe ones that we've not considered mm. that fit into the invisible not not franchise but just like this kind of lineage of the invisible person movies yeah uh, that we can that we can do but we may not necessarily do them in order though we do the fantastic four films <laughs> i wasn't going to count that no <laughs> but yeah I, 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 i'm not going to like like say we'll do them in order because we might miss some and then want to go back so like if we jump to hollow man next it doesn't mean we're not going to do like one from the 80s or one from the 50s we'll probably just bounce mm-hmm. around now because they're not connected in any way so who cares like right but 
Yes. So, more, more invisible movies coming. Probably one or two a year is, seems to be the rate. <laughs> <laughs> we still have other franchises to finish. We have finished Apes. Yes, and Predator. And Predator. All that said, we should rate The Invisible Man's Revenge. So, what are you giving it, Tara? I'm going to give it a straight five. I don't think it's unwatchable. I think mm. for the time it was released, I think it's, you know, enjoyable enough. I do like some of the, the, um, I don't say gimmicky stuff, but I, I still get into the the special effects of the film. Um, just a lot of, you know, wasted potential, unfortunately. Yeah. I think the, the premise of him, like, having to kill people to take their blood so that he can become visible again, I think that's an interesting idea, but I think that should be established in the first half hour, and then the movie should be about him having to kill more people. So that, yeah. It should, be, it should be like a... You want the invisible slasher film. <laughs> well, not even sorry. I'm thinking more like um, or just survival. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking more like uh, like an American Psycho style movie with like, but he's doing it for a reason. Where each victim's to like make him visible again. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's definitely stories where someone has to keep killing to feed or keep them human because they'll turn into a witch or something if they don't. Yeah, I was thinking witches. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna go straight five as well. I think five is a fair score. It's not, it's not like a horrible watch, and it's not. Like unwatchable like you say it, it's perfectly viewable but it's nothing special doesn't have anything to root for and doesn't even remember to be fun most of the time so I, I i would say a five is pretty fair in this case so five out of ten for me too so there you go cool i'm going to make tara pose for the thumbnail so here we go three two one pause You didn't do anything. You just stood there. I have no idea what to do for this. <laughs> you just stood still. <laughs> I don't know. Put a hat on me or something. Put a hat on you. There you go. That's Invisible Man's Revenge. Uh, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordnow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Tradesman, and Alison M. Fordyce. They are producers that are one of the higher tiers over at Patreon. But you can support us for much less than that. Can't Tara? That's right, Peter. If you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV, where you can get access to reviews for B-movies that we do and some non-so-B films. Um, and you'll also get Screams After Midnight reviews, bonus episodes, including The Invisible Maniac, which I think was the first one. That was the very first episode, so... I have to scroll down to find it, but it's there. It's a classic. Check it out. And uh, it, that's what you get for a dollar. But if you donate $5 per month, you'll get access to these reviews one day early, and you get to vote on what we watch. So once might a be month. worth it to Once you. a month. Not every episode. Once a month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can also submit films that you want us to watch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lots of, lots of perks and you you know you join a very nice community of people who love the things you love the degenerates and scoundrels yes <laughs> the mutants <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for joining us once again we always appreciate it keep watching science fiction and computer add salsa <laughs>